Revelation 22. Let's all stand then in respect to the reading of God's holy word. As is our custom here at Sweet Communion, we're reading from the ESV, the English Standard, Standard Version. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you, with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil. And the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city of the gates, that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Let's bow with me now in a word of prayer. After prayer, our choir will come for singing a special selection. And then we have a special message um, from our speaker, Brian, Brian C. Kenner. So let's bow in a word of prayer. We thank you, Father, for allowing us to come to gather today. There are few of us here today, and so we are thankful for each one that is here that had a purpose in mind waking up this morning to come into fellowship with your people to hear your truth and your word, and we thank you for that. Some had a purpose to do that, but did not have the physical ability to do that because of sickness, and we know there are many who are sick. We pray for them, Lord. We, we think of Bonnie and Bill Dick. We think of uh, Savannah and Dwayne, their family. They're affected um, by the virus and things that are going around. We pray 
for others, Lord, who um, are affected. We don't know what their cause is. We think of Lawrence. We think of Heidi. We think of Willie um, and uh, Jeremy and Michelle and their family. We just pray for them, Lord, and, and uh, each one that is um, not here because of sickness. Some are away uh, from town on, uh, on vacation. We pray for, for John and Keisha and their safe return as well, Lord. We pray for Dale and for um, his condition, Lord, that you would just, uh, we add him to that list of those who are suffering symptoms. And we pray that you would watch over each one of these and that you would uh, protect, that you would bless, that you would heal, to allow them to soon again be able to fellowship with us. We thank you for each one here. We thank you for Brian as you lead him to speak. We pray, Lord, that our hearts might be open to hear what you have to say through him, through your word, and that you would lead and guide us. You would encourage us in your truth, that you would um, speak to our hearts in, in the way that you intend and that we will receive what you have to say. We pray for this ministry, Lord, that you would bless us so that we function um, to be a, a lamp, a light post for your word uh, by our ministry here, by our individual lives that would be in step with the gospel. We pray that that influence might be able to uh, be seen and be affected and uh, to affect lives and to draw people to the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that you would just use your word all around this city and in uh, places where the gospel is being proclaimed, that you would honor that and you would bring fruit from your gospel today. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. And please be seated. Good morning, saints. It's an honor to be able to preach. It's an honor to be able to hear the word of the Lord. You know, to be able to preach, you got to hear it first. The prophet said, the word of the Lord came to me, but it didn't come to you if you didn't listen to it. You got to hear it first. You got to digest it. And you got to go out there and deliver it. So praise God for giving me his word. Praise God for his spirit. Praise God for Christmas that we just had on Friday. We needed Christmas because the rest of the year was tough. And that's really what this sermon is about because we're looking after Christmas, after a tough time, but towards the next Christmas. In other words, it's a word of encouragement to you to cap off this year, a word that we need. And the Holy Spirit put it on my heart. I just want to, let me just quickly pray before we get into the word. Dear Lord, I pray that you just bless us. Help us to hear your word and your truths. Help your Holy Spirit to speak through me and to um, be with our ears, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. So when we get into Revelation 22, I want you to first understand that chapter 21 starts the thought. And the thought is there will be a new heaven and a new earth. We talk about our souls being saved. But our souls are being saved for a world that will be saved. The old will pass away. There is going to be a place where there is as it says in Revelation 21, no sea and no sin. Now, the sea is, is, is symbolism. The sea stands for chaos. We're going to be in a place where there is no chaos. 2020 was filled with chaos. From police stations getting burned down, shootings in the streets, viruses running rampant, people panicking about viruses, churches closing. I didn't think they should have been closed, but that's part of the chaos. The chaos are people who are sick, who are looking for hope, 
they go to the church and the doors are closed and what can we say it's like the waters are overflowing tidal waves are hitting from every direction you hear bad news it's more bad news more bad news more bad news and that's what 2020 felt like felt like waves and waves and waves when we get to heaven, there will be no sin. There'll be no sin. Oh, it's not hard for me to see where the origin of all these problems come from. Oh, they come from sin. From man's evil. You might say, well, man, Brian, how, what a virus got to do with sin? What did God intend for us to be sick? Did God intend for us to die? Did God intend for us to be in panic? In heaven, we won't have that. In heaven, there will be radiance. In heaven, there will be something that brings the saints together from the Old Testament and the New Testament. In heaven, we'll be filled with the glory of God. And he continues this thought when we get into Revelation 22. And I'll read those first five verses. It says, the angel showed me the river of the water of life bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. When it talks about what the angel showed him, it talks about life. There's a river of life. There's a tree of life. There are leaves that give healing. And what's healing? Healing is just life beating death. And what we see is that life is a gift of God. But life, as we see it, is rare. But in heaven, we see abundance of what on earth we rarely see. That's what heaven is. That's why we walk on streets of gold, right? On earth, if you go down and you dig and you find some gold, you, you, you made it. But in heaven, you walk on gold. On earth, the tree of life, there was only one. In heaven, there are orchards of the tree of life. Adam and Eve had a chance to get one fruit. In heaven, the tree has a crop that we can harvest every month. In heaven, there's a throne of the Father and the Son. You notice that it said the throne of God and of the Lamb. In heaven, his servants will worship him. It's almost like it's just saying it's going to be the opposite of what we see here. What we got used to. In heaven, we will see his face. And his name will be on our foreheads. It kind of reminds me, you know, you ever watched that movie Toy Story? In the movie Toy Story, the character Andy, he wrote his name on his toys so that you would know that they were his. And God writes his name where? On our foreheads. Nobody's going to miss that we belong to God. It's going to be obvious. It's not going to be like now when you can walk past a Christian in a mall and you may not know that that's a Christian. But in heaven, when you walk past somebody, you're going to see their name right here. And they're going to see your name right here. You're going to say, how you doing, Christian? Oh, I'm doing good, Christian. You're going to keep walking by on streets of gold, right past the tree of life. Somebody going to be sitting and having a picnic next to the river of life. Because heaven is full of life. It talks about no night, and what it's talking about there is no problems. 
what happens at night. All kind of criminal activities happen at night. But in heaven, there's going to be no night. It's beautiful. Now, when I mention all that stuff, as a Christian, what you should feel is a sense of homesickness. Because you should recognize that what you feel here is not right. My wife is sick. She can't attend today. That's not right. It shouldn't be like that. She doesn't want to serve the Lord. Why should she be sick? Because we live in the old city. Man, you go out and you see the news. Why is there murder? Because we live in the old city. I'm preaching the word of God. I got three little boys over there laying down, eyes closed. Somebody wake them up. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at them right now. Wake them up. That shouldn't be going on. That's old city stuff. Wake them up. Wake them up. I'm for real. Wake them up. I'm awake. Yeah, wake up. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at y'all. Yeah, wake up. Y'all ain't that tired. If I had a video game, they wouldn't be asleep. It should produce in us a sense of homesickness where we should yearn and we should say to ourselves, and I know you feel this way. When you look out on the world, don't you think, this ain't the way it should be. This world is messed up. What does it mean when you say this world is messed up is it should be better than this. Life should be better than this. I see a, a woman, you know, cross the road, and, you know, you, you happy at first. You're like, there's a mother and child. Isn't that a beautiful scene? Then she goes down and says, you know, mother. Oh, it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be like that. Who's, who talks to their child like that? But that's the way of the old city. It should produce in us a desire to see more. It should produce in us a desire to take our treasures out of here. Because this world is going down. And to put our treasures in a new place where we were meant to be. And the angel, after he gets done showing him all these things, he says this. These words are trustworthy and true. What does trustworthy mean? Trustworthy means something you can stand on. We know what true means. But these words are truth. These things are not things that just happen to be true. These words are truth. These things are trustworthy. These are things you can base your life on. Too often Christians think of heaven as a fantasy. It's not a fantasy. It's the goal. That's why we live the way we live. That's why we do the things that we do. We are trying to make it to the new city. And so these words are not only trustworthy and true, they come from the Lord. Now, anytime you see the Lord, O-R-D, lowercase, that's Jesus. He said, these and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. This will happen. We will enter that city. And then all of a sudden in the passage, somebody interjects. He says, behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. Who is that who jumps in? Who is it that is coming soon? Who is it is saying blessed? See, he says, I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. And the second thing he says, blessed is the one who keeps these words. What words is he talking about? Well, look throughout the book of Revelations with me. In Revelations chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, he says this. I looked, and behold, a great multitude no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Later on in that same chapter, verse 13, and one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out from the great tribulation. 
They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They will hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Chapter 11, verse 16 and 18. He says this. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces, faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for the rewarding your saints, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Chapter 21, look at verse 1 through 4. Just one chapter back from what we read. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. What are the words that we're keeping? We're keeping the promises of God. We are keeping in our hearts remembering the promises of God. The reason why when somebody as dear as my grandfather died, that we don't just sit there and die with him, is because we remember that one day there will be a place where there will be no death. One day there will be a place where tears are wiped away. One day there will be a place where there is no mourning. We keep that word in our heart, and that is a reason to keep living. Now, after that, John heard these things, and he was so amazed by them that he fell down and started to worship the angel that told him. And from this, what we get is that sometimes we can hear a word so good that we want to worship the messenger and not the person who sent. And the angel rebuked John, and John puts this in there for a reason. He put it in there for this reason, that he doesn't want us to worship the messenger. He wants us to worship God. But look what he says at the end. He says, I'm just a fellow serving with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. What's the emphasis? The message. What's the message point to? It points to our God. Worship God. Keep the words of this book. We get to the next section. Verse 10 and 11, it reads this. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. He says, do not seal up this word. And what does that mean? That means that this word must be proclaimed. But many people have sealed this word. Oh, they sealed it because they said Revelations is just too difficult for the normal man to understand. Or some people, they sealed it by putting their own ideologies into the book so when you read the book, you can't get what the book is saying. Some people have sealed the book by making it entertainment instead of food for the soul. Some people have sealed the book by making it something to be debated instead of something to be received. People have forgotten that when John wrote this book, he was writing it to the suffering saints who were being persecuted. They didn't need to know what year the Antichrist was coming and what country he was coming from. They didn't need to know whether Israel and the church were the same thing. They didn't need to know that. They needed to have comfort and to know who God is in control. And the book of Revelation is about God being in control, even though things look scary, 
everything is going according to the plan of God. And everybody who doesn't preach that message to you is sealing this book. And the angel said, don't seal this book. That's why I preach from this book. Well, I love preaching from this book because people are scared and they have sealed it. But what the angel say? Don't seal this book. Christian, I encourage you, get the book of Revelation. You don't need no advanced study to get into this. You need the advanced spirit of the Holy Spirit who was given to every saint. Get into this Revelations and read it. Don't be intimidated by God's word. You know enough to get into it. And if you got questions, call me up. But don't be acting like this is written in a different language. Because that's sealing this book. And who wants us to seal this book? Satan. Satan. Who wants us to open this book? The Lord. He says, don't seal this book. Why? For the time is near. What's another way of saying the time of near is it's relevant today. People need to hear this word. And the people who ignore this word are cursed to continue to ignore this word. Look what he says. Let the evildoer still do evil. That's a curse. It's not saying, eh, let things be that go on. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, eh, what's going to happen, what's going to happen. That's not what he's saying. He's saying if you don't feel any impact, you don't feel no emotion, you don't feel no spirit when you hear this word, keep on being evil. That's your judgment. Or you don't feel the life from this book, okay, we'll die. That's what he's saying. This is a curse. I was amazed. And I sat there at the funeral, Kyle's brother's funeral, and I was sitting there and I was looking at people who had no feeling when God's word was being preached. It made me want to kick people and throw people out their seats. But the Lord was like, don't do that. Just sit there and just act like you don't see him. Just ignore it because the evil going to keep being evil. The filthy going to keep being filthy. Sometimes you got to recognize that when somebody doesn't listen to God's word, it's not a rejection of you. It's the judgment of God. God has sealed their ears. He has locked them down. They can't move. You ought to see it in fear and be like, that could be me. Oh, man, that could be me. How many times? Sometimes I had to kick myself the other day. Christmas story was being written and I'm just read and I'm just sitting there like, yeah, you know, it's Christmas. And God was like, isn't Christmas amazing and exciting to you? And I said, well, you know, I, I, it's the same thing last year. Is it exciting to you? Is my work boring to you? Am I boring you here? It's the same thing I want to say to those that, that will sleep. Am I putting you to sleep? No, Lord, I, you're not putting me to sleep. Then wake up. And be excited. Cultivate an ex a, a spirit of energy when you hear my word. Don't be coming in my word and hearing it like it's just any old thing. Like somebody reading the news to you. And you can take it or leave it. You could change the channel if you want to. No. This is the word of God. And Jesus co-signs it. He says, behold, I'm coming soon. Behold, I'm coming soon. And I'm bringing my judgment with me. Isn't that what he said? Isn't that what he said? Am I miss saying it? I'm bringing my judgment with you, with me. I'm Alpha and Omega. The first and the last, the beginning and the end. In other words, I was there at the beginning. I started this, and I'm going to end it. I will be there at the end to bring everybody to account. I was there at the beginning when I set up the rules. The third section starts in verse 14. It says, blessed are those who wash their robes. Now, if you wash your robes, you got to admit 
that they was dirty. Now, we read a passage earlier because some people are going to read this passage wrongly and say, oh, you know, it's based on the effort of my scrubbing. But we read earlier that it said those who wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb. But, you know, to wash your robes, you got to admit that they was dirty. And that's a humbling thing. Who likes to say that they smell? Who likes to say that they're dirty? Oh, but Christians should get used to that. We should be saying, Lord, I'm dirty. Lord, I'm not good enough. Lord, I need more. And it is until you recognize that you need to be washed, you will never be clean. Now, it is not your recognition that is needed. It is simply your humility. Right? We're not waiting for great sages and scholars to be saved. No, we're waiting for people who, when they hear the word and we say, you a sinner, they say, yes, I am. Let me be washed. Let me be washed. Because outside are the dogs. And what are dogs? Dogs are a symbol for the unclean, the unwashed, people who are outside of God's people, the Gentiles. In other words, Everyday people that we walk past every day, they are dogs. Jesus said to a lady once, why should I give the food from the, take it from the kids and give it to the little dog? But she was humble. She said, Lord, even the little dogs eat from the scraps. See, she recognized that she was a dog. And some people would turn that and say, oh, Jesus is being racist. No, Jesus was being honest. They were outside of the people of God. They were dirty. I know people got this thing now where they kiss dogs and all that stuff. Now that's nasty because dogs is dirty. You know, people want to make that a cultural thing, but the whole thing about it is this. Dogs are outside. Dogs are unclean animals. And what they represent in many ways are the unchurched. People who have no familiarity of anything of the things of God. They are becoming a larger and larger group as we go out there day by day. People who ain't never been to church. People who don't understand the things. People who think the Bible is like this mystical sealed book with a lock on top of it. They ain't never read a verse. They know something about it somehow. But they ain't never read a verse. It represents them. The sorcerers, what that stands for is people who are spiritual without God. Self-taught people. People who think they're experts on things that are spiritual but don't never crack open the word of God. The sexual immoral, it represents the unrestrained. People who think that they can follow their passions and follow their heart. Oh, they Jiminy Cricket, right? Let your conscience be your God. The murderers, those are the people who kill. They are destroyers of men. People who don't think twice about killing somebody. They only worried about whether they got caught. The idolaters, those are the worshipers of things, people who take possessions and turn them into gods. And that could be a whole bunch of things, but the pointed thing is they turn things into gods and ignore the true God. And then everyone who loves and practices falsehood, the deceitful. There's a lot of people who Go out there and clap you on the back when you lie and you trick somebody. You ever notice that? Oh, that was a good one, man. I got to use that one next time. Oh, yeah, you spit that game. I saw you did. Yeah, player. Yeah, you know that was right. Yeah. I'm going to use that line. It's a lot of people out there who are celebrating and reveling in lies like a pig rolls in the mud. And they will be outside the city. They will be like those in the days of Noah. Who made fun of Noah. For a hundred or so years that he built the ark. But when the waters were rising. And they were beaten on the side of the ark. They slowly started to realize that human effort couldn't put them in the ark. That God had closed the door. And they called out to God and said, God, save us. And God answered them not a word. 
because the door was closed. Everybody takes advantage of God's mercy. Not realizing that the day will come where there will be those in the city and those out the city. So then Jesus adds another word. Verse 16, he says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things. In other words, he said, listen, this is true, and that's why I sent my angel. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. What does those two things mean? One means is, we talked about that when we talked about Revelations 5, when I preached on that. Jesus is the root and the shoot. Jesus is the support of the king of David, and Jesus is the outcome of the kingdom of David. He is the fulfillment of everything that David was supposed to be. He's the true king. And he started the kingdom. But it also says he's the bright and morning star. What's that? He's a guide to those in the darkness. That's what leads right to the next verse. What does the spirit say? Come. What does the bride say? Who is the spirit? That's the Holy Spirit. Who is the bride? That's the church. The church is calling on people and saying, come. Come. It says, the one who hears, let him say, come. You should be out there saying, come. What does the one who hears represent? It represents the saint. And he says, let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. In other words, salvation is freely offered. It wasn't freely obtained. It was a heavy price that was paid. But it is freely offered. Freely given, like somebody giving away water. Hey, come, come. You thirsty? Come over here. Get a drink. It's funny that we got to beg people to take the free gift of water, the water of life. And then the last section of this chapter starts in verse 18. It's a warning. He said, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. Whoa. You almost say to John, man, when did it escalate to that point? He's saying, I'm not playing. God is not playing with you. Don't add to it. What do you don't add? You don't add your own thoughts to the word of God. You don't add your own purposes to the word of God. You don't add your own ideologies to the word of God. You don't add your own politics to the word of God. You don't add your own words to the word of God. There's a lot of people adding to the word of God as if it needs something else. Oh, no, God's word a little bit too harsh. Let me pick this one instead of that. God's word stands on its own. God didn't make a mistake. He didn't stutter. He didn't slip. What he said, he said. Don't take from God's word. Don't take the power out of God's word. Don't take the comfort out of God's word. Don't take the judgment out of God's word. Don't take the mystery out of God's word. There are things we don't know. That's okay. God put that in there for that reason. You think he wouldn't know that you wouldn't be able to figure out the answer? No, he knew. And there's a lesson in that too. And the lesson is, trust me. Walk by faith, not by sight. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me. And I will direct your paths. Oh, you don't know which way to go? Don't worry about it. I know which way to go. I'm driving the car, and you are a passenger. And Jesus adds on top of that, this one is a threatening one. He says, surely I'm coming soon. It's on top of the warning. You notice that? It's on top of the warning. It's like, hey, don't add, don't take away, Jesus said, and I'm coming. I want you to notice that this chapter could be separated into four sections that have to do with the four statements of Jesus. The first section 
Jesus in verse 7 says, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. It's the blessings of this book. The blessings of this book. This book talks about heaven. This book talks about the new city. This book talks about the marriage of the Lamb. This book talks about the promises of God. And Jesus says, I am coming soon to bless. The second section in verse 12. Jesus says, behold, I am coming soon to bring my recompense with me. The judgments of this book. Oh, there's a lot of judgments in this book. There's a lot of people who die in this book. And such is the way of the Lord. He is coming to judge. The third section of this book is who he wrote for. The recipients of this book. Look, what Jesus says, I sent my angel to testify to you things about these things for the churches. This word is not written to the unsaved. It's written to the saved, those who receive God's word, those who have the Holy Spirit who can interpret God's word. It was written for me and for you, the church. And then we look at the purpose of this book. In verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Why is he coming soon? To uphold his words. Right? Look at the verse. The verses right before it. I warn everyone, don't add, don't take away. I am surely coming soon to uphold my very word. And what you get from all these statements of Jesus, let's read them again. He says, behold, I'm coming soon. Verse 12, behold, I'm coming soon. Verse 16, I send my angel to testify these things. And there in verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. You can't miss the fact that he is what? He's coming back. Mom Mickey, she used to sing that song. He's coming back. He's coming back again, right? Take a look at the times, right? Yes, he's coming back. He's coming back. But look at these things that you see in the book, in the chapter. Look at verse 6. He says, these words are trustworthy and true. Verse 7, blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Verse 9. I, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers of prophets and with those who keep the words of this book. Verse 10, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book. Verse 12. I'm sorry, not verse 12. Where are we at? Verse 16, I'm sorry. Verse 16, I send my angel to testify to you about these things. Verse 18, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. Verse 19, anyone who takes away from the words of this book. In verse 20, he who testifies of these things. What's the emphasis? It's this book. Oh, it's this book. This book. This chapter is the culmination of this book. You can't miss it. Let me show you some verses. Look again at verse 6 and 7. He says, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. But look at chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. That means I'm blessed right now. And blessed are those who hear, you blessed, and who keep what is written, if you obey what you heard. For the time is near. It's relevant. Chapter 4, verse 1. After this, I look, and behold, a door was standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. I'm going to show you, John. In chapter 21, verse 5, he says this. 
he who seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Look at verse 8 and 9 in our chapter. Chapter 22, John started to worship. He started to worship the angel. And then look at chapter 19, verse 9 and 10. And the angel said, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down on his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you of your brother and with your, you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Look at verse 10 and 11. He said, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, the filthy still be filthy, the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. But what does chapter 9, verse 20 say? The rest of mankind who were not killed by the plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Oh, they felt the hand of God, but they still said, nope. So let the evildoers still do evil. Chapter 12, verse 12 and 13, he says, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Oh, man. Chapter 1, verse 8 says what? I am Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Verse 17 and 18, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he said to me, fear not. I am first and last. Chapter 6, verse 15. He says this. The kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the mountains, calling the rocks, fall on us, and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of wrath has come, and who can stand it? Chapter 21, verse 6 and 7. He said to me, it is done. I am Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. Look at verse 14 and 15. It says, blessed are those who wash their robes. Look at chapter 21, verse 8. Verse 15 says, outside are the dogs and sorcerers and sexual immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Revelation 21.8 says, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexual morality, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in a lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The point is this. This chapter sums up all of Revelation. It is the culmination of the entire book. It's saying, when God is talking about this chapter, when Jesus is talking in it, he's saying, hey, everything that I said in this book is true. Everything in this book is a blessing, a judgment, is for the church, and it's for the purpose of you understanding that I will return. But this chapter is not just a culmination of revelations. It's a culmination of the entire Bible. Because in it, it quotes from Ezekiel. It quotes from Daniel. It quotes from 2 Timothy. It quotes from Numbers. It quotes from Isaiah. And the whole point is this. This chapter is calling on us and saying, hey, this warning of taking away words and adding words is not just true of revelations. It's true of this whole Bible. And this whole Bible is full of blessings. This whole Bible is full of judgments. 
This whole Bible is written for the sake of the church. This whole Bible is written so that we might know that he will one day come again. I could read all the references, but I know it's getting a little long, so I just want to bring it down to the end. I want us to understand this. When you look at this chapter, what you are seeing in Jesus' present reign, what is his present reign? He's presiding over the church, and he is sending his angels to open up scripture for us so that we might understand. He is going to return, and that inspires in us godliness. It inspires in us endurance. Because if I just tell you just to endure, it's hard. If I tell you endure till tomorrow, you can do that. And then it's inspiring us to look to his future reign when he sets everything in order and we can finally rest. Don't miss the presence of the Holy Spirit in verse 17 who invites us and says, come. Don't miss the presence of the Father in verses 1 and 3 where he is united with the Lamb, with his throne which outflows with the river of life. His throne is in the middle of the city. That's why there is nothing cursed. And don't miss the main point of this chapter where Jesus repeats himself three times and says, I am coming soon. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. We thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins and rising again and reigning over your church, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for open our eyes so that we might understand your truths and that you keep your memory, the memory of your scriptures and your truths with us so that we would have a way to fight when the enemy attacks. And so in your name we pray. Amen.